This is January 11th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully enjoyed the Bruins-Capitals game last night. Again, as I do every season, this was recorded before the Bruins-Capitals game. I have to say, little disclaimer was recorded before, so I can't sit here. Uh, today with Marina Mar on, we did not discuss uh, the Bruins-Capitals game last night because, again, recorded beforehand. We did discuss a lot of big picture topics such as Lawson Krause, how big the win over the lightning was on Saturday and some, some really important uh, storylines with the bottom six that I think right now you're starting to see the Bruins take shape, especially in the bottom six. And that's stuff that's going to be getting them to the playoffs. Like, I think that is going to be such a massive, massive thing for them if they want to get into the playoffs this spring. So we discussed all of that. It's always fun to have Marina on. So again, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Remember promo code CLNS50 to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. At any rate, here is my conversation with Marina Mar. And we're here with Marina Mar. Marina, what is up? How are we doing? Thanks for having me out. Of course, I'm doing great. But you have a, a, a you dropped maybe the biggest news of uh, of the Bruins season last week. You are having a baby. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, second, second of all, are you naming it Brad, Patrice, or Pasta? What's the <laughs> probably uh, none of the above? Um, we haven't found out the gender yet. We do that this week, so maybe that'll sway uh, that opinion. But Patri- uh, Patrice is both. Patrice, Patrice could be both. You know, my husband said Patrice could be both. Maybe maybe a middle name we'll throw in there. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I was. Um, I've known for a while. Um, probably end of November, so I've been holding a secret. And then I was Ooh. just kind of bored, and I was like, "All right, let's just tell the world. Like, let's just get it over with." And um, a lot of congratulations. So. A lot of tweets to go through, a lot of inbox to go through, a lot of texts to go through, but we couldn't be happier. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I, I never imagined this for me. And I joked to my husband, I was like, all right, well, I can drink some apple juice or something out of the Stanley Cup come June. So. <laughs> yeah, apple juice instead. Um, but yes, congratulations. That's so awesome. I, I can't give you any insight. I cannot give you any insight onto having a kid. Sorry, my cat. Okay, we're just going to keep going. I love that. Um, but so uh, I can't give you any insight into having a kid because I'm basically still a kid. I'm 22. Uh, but that is really awesome. I, I Congratulations to you guys. That is so freaking cool. Um, and uh, I have no doubt that you're going to be a tremendous mother and grow your kid up a Bruins fan, which is like, that's oh, the biggest yeah. thing, I, right? You have, I don't know. What, I don't know if your husband oh, wow. is a, Bruins fan as well, but I would imagine he must be. Oh um, yes, we we he so, uh, eight years ago he was a Rangers fan. We have since converted him over to the dark side. So there you there you go. I was gonna say because I was like, well, maybe you'd have to debate who gets uh, who gets to have the the baby's hockey fandom. But in this case, it doesn't seem like there's gonna be any debate um, 
I gave that. my husband yes. the, the football fandom. My husband's a Giants fan. I was like, all right, you want the pain and suffering to be a Giants fan? And then the Kittle Wave Bruins fan. So he'll get the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I mentioned you mentioned earlier the middle name thing. I had a I had a history teacher in high school who was a diehard Giants fan, and her her daughter's middle name is Odell, after Odell Beckham Jr. And <laughs> I always kind of thought to myself, uh, I don't know if I'd do that after like a football receiver who's been there for like four years at that point. It's gotta be like but, a sure thing, right? Like the yeah, Chris, it's got it's you know, Brad. Easy. You know, little, it's gotta be a sure thing. Yeah, or like how many people named their kids or had their kids' middle name be like Bork or, you know, or right. or something like that. Just because it's a yeah. sure thing. But anyways, there's real Bruins. Uh, there's big Bruins news to talk about. And it is getting to be that time of year. We'll get into the lineup a little bit later. Uh, but first, some rumors, some trade rumors. It's that time of year. Lawson Krauss is the I next name. I love this name. time of year. It's that time of year. Get the hot stove in on cooking. everybody, Evan. In on everybody, getting nobody. Um, but anyways, uh, Lawson Krause is the newest name that is connected to the Bruins. Uh, he is with the Arizona Coyotes, six foot four, 220 pound power forward type player, big dude, 24, year left on an RFA deal. He'll be an RFA at the end of this year. Uh, and Sportsnet's Jeff Marek, Marek, can't even say the name, uh, reported that the, the Bruins are one of the teams interested in Kraus. And it makes total sense that Kraus will be dealt before the end of this year, given the Coyote State and everything they're looking for. So it, it, it begs the question of this. Another power forward the Bruins are in on that's probably not in the top six, but more in the bottom six. Is this something the Bruins should be interested in? I mean, it almost makes too much sense, right? Like, big power forward, cheap deal. Like, of course, the Bruins are interested in on him. Um, he's not the coyote that I would want. Like, I would like to shoot for the moon and grab uh, Jacob Chitrin. But I don't think the Bruins have enough to get, grab him. But I actually, I don't hate it as much as I thought I would, right? I think cheap money um, is the most important thing. He's probably going to be more than a rental. He's an RFA at year's end, and Sweeney loves those guys. You know, Sweeney's not crazy about the one and done. So it, it makes sense. I wonder what they'd give up to get him, and especially we don't know the status of Nick Felino. but I'm also worried because it seems like we have a bunch of those, uh, you know, middle-of-the-pack, bottom-six guys. So it's like how much do we really need, especially since Oscar Steen's playing awesome right now. It kind of makes – it kind of turns me off to, to – you know, spending some assets to get Lawson Krauss. But that being said, I, I think he'd be a welcome addition. And I think especially this Bruins team's trying to get into the playoffs, trying to gear up for the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of games in a lot of days. So I don't, I actually don't hate it. The only, I think I didn't like it at first. I still don't love it because I just think back to Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie was good, but there was just, they didn't get enough. It felt like out of him for what yeah. he could have brought. And I'm worried that this is going to be the same thing. However, feels like, and we don't know this, we're recording this Monday morning at 11, so we don't know the, the status of Nick Foligno yet, but it feels like Nick Foligno is going to be out for an extended period of time. An easy spot for Kraus to just go straight in on would be the left side on the third line, right? Kraus, right. Coyle, and Steen. That's not a, that's a pretty good third line. That makes me like it more because you're down Foligno. DeBrusque is getting traded at some point for what we don't know, but Hopefully it's not another struggling winger because as you said, Bruins have more than enough of those guys. Uh, no Mason Appleton's here, but, but I wouldn't do like you rather idea. use DeBrusque, you know, his money and kind of get a, a better caliber player though? 
Like, wouldn't you try and shoot for the moon's little, moon a little bit? Oh, you mean like you mean like package DeBrusque for someone better? Not even mean? that, but just like say you move him out in like a money move, right? And then that allows you frees you up to you know get oh. a better player. So DeBrusque for like a. So DeBrusque for like a fourth round pick. I've always in my mind, I'm like, if if Linus Olmark ever waived his no move clause, package him and DeBrusque to Edmonton for like a Ryan Eugene Hopkins or something, like that's my pipe dream, right? Um, I don't know, but it's just fun to throw out hypotheticals. It's fun. That's what's the, the best part of this time of year. But I don't know. I think with DeBrusque's contract and money and with him, I just would love to see them try to package him for something better. Cause yeah. I don't know if you can straight up, you can't, you can't get someone better than DeBrusque for DeBrusque, given that he's struggling. Right. Um, but, but I, I don't, I like Austin Krause is so enticing because he's making what one six or something, you know, he's mm-hmm. not making a ton of money and they could fit him in. So yeah, nine goals, eight assists in 32 games. So, I mean, that's pretty good production. He's been getting a lot of reps in Arizona. Cause like who the hell else? Right. Um, I also, you know who else I wouldn't mind from Arizona? I know people are going to kind of wince. Oh, well, that Petrov Maguire would be all in on that. that would be a, I say, but I would say Phil Kessel. I wouldn't mind Phil Kessel. Yeah. I think he, you know what you're what getting out of him is. That's a great question. I don't know what he makes, but I just know that he's got Stanley Cup experience. Uh, he's an older player now. He's still good. Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm looking it up right now to see what he makes. Um, it can't be that much. I mean, he did sign an eight year, $64 million deal. Um, somewhat, sometime soon. Uh, where, what's his money? Hmm. Kill the thrill. That'd be awesome. He is on the final year of an $8 million deal. Oh, so wow. he's making eight. So I don't know about, I don't know about eight. Good. I, exactly. Great for him. I don't know about that though. I don't know about that being on the Bruins. Uh, so I just, I just always go back to like, if the Bruins had a real 2C, no, if it's Charlie Coyle, just imagine how good of a third line, like Steen, Coyle, and whoever, like say Felino's out how good of a third line that would be. And then like that would help elevate the Bruins so much. So I always go back to, you know, let's try and find a center. Do you think Eric Hall is that guy? He's looked better as of late. I'll definitely give him some credit. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think he is the solution going forward. No. I agree. I think he is a stopgap. I like him a little bit more than Charlie Coyle, just the way he plays a little yeah. quicker on pucks a little bit more. Like kind of, he's great in the net front on the first power play unit when Nick Felino went down. Um, but I just, to me, I think you still need someone. You still need right. like a legit two C. And this leads us into, I didn't have this on the docket initially, so I apologize for just bringing this up, but I assume <laughs> you saw the David Krejci comments. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw those. Interesting. Got to give Krejci credit. He was always very open. Like I remember yeah. after the Tavar- I mean, after I mean, they tried to go for Tavares. Surprise anybody that he said this. No, and it's funny after the. It's so funny. Like right after he leaves, uh, they immediately are like, "Oh, Pasta, you're not on the second line if you want. It's up to you." Um, but uh, it, it, I, it's funny after when the Bruins went for John Tavares a few summers ago. Krejci was very outspoken when they came back in the fall saying like, he didn't really love the Bruins were doing that. He went on to have a really good year that year. And he was a huge part of why the Bruins ended up being in the cup final that uh, next summer. But crazy basically comes out and is like, why I don't get it. The coach never let me have Pasternak. How come now immediately Pasternak can go down to the second line. And I think it's, I, I think it's tough. Cause I, I hate to be a fence sitter, but I see both sides because when Krejci was here, Krejci was like the main guy of that line. Right. Now that second line is 
Taylor the main Hall guy was supposed to be Taylor to Hall. Right. That's like yes. the only difference about it. I think Krejci is well within his right to speak his mind. I think he maybe should be going at Sweeney a little more than Cassidy. Um, because Cassidy's just trying to do like the best that he has with the guys that he has. And you cannot, I mean, Pasternak, that line was just so dominant. It was hard to peel them off. When the Bruins were struggling, I would absolutely be like, you know what, move Pasternak down, give this team like some new life. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised Krejci made those remarks. Um, I still hope he comes back. That would be unbelievable. <laughs> um, imagine David Krejci with this team right now, the way they're playing would be nuts. You have depth. You'd have a ton of depth. Um, cause you'd be able to, and I think, I still think you, they have depth, but Krejci would just make it so much right. better. So mm-hmm. much better. I don't think another year of Krejci Hall. I say it a million times, but I would have loved to see it. And you're starting to see Taylor Hall, you know, really start to get going with pasta now, which is great to see. And pasta looks like he's got some more confidence. Potted two against Tampa. Hopefully the floodgates open for him. So yeah, I understand Krejci why he said it. And I mean, he's always been open and. I think he was well within his right to say it. Um, but yeah, I think it's a different, like, Krejci elevated those around him. And right now, like, the Bruins need help because you need to get Taylor Hall going. You need to get Pasta going. So, I mean, imagine a top six of Marshan, Bergeron, Smith, Hall, Krejci, Pasternak. I mean, that would be absurd. And then you have Coyle on the third line with Steen and whoever. I mean, just... I don't know that it, it, we're, we're making Bruins fans really, really uh, annoyed right now. It's like, man, what could have been, what could have yeah. been, but yes, the interesting comments out of Krejci came out of nowhere, but I totally see what he's saying. Like yeah. him and Poshnok had the Czech connection and they never really got the chance to play together mm-hmm. um, for extended periods of time. I would say it's probably not a very safe bet uh, that, that uh, David Krejci comes back, but what is a good bet is our good friends mm-hmm. over at bet online bet online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code clns50 to get started from football basketball hockey boxing and ufc right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Again, promo code CLNS50. Okay, let's dive into the lineup of the Bruins, which has looked a lot better of late. And it goes back. Now, we are recording this again before the Capitals or before the Capitals game Monday night. So excuse us if Boston got shellacked seven nothing or one seven nothing or whatever we don't know the result it's hey, that time of year sometimes when you get dummied by the capitals the sweeney goes out and gets you a taylor hall and the curses are so it's true it's remember I, du- getting dummied by the capitals is always a good sign because it happened last year they went out and got curtis lazar and taylor hall remember the first game of 2018-19 they got killed in washington by the capitals first game of the year they oh, yeah, the first Cup that year they go to the Stanley Cup that year. So, hey, maybe right <laughs> <laughs> spin zone. Um, anyways, this win in Tampa felt different. They win five to two. They do without Charlie McAvoy. They go into Tampa and do it. I almost get the sense that whenever there's a, a team that goes far in the playoffs or goes the distance, goes to the championship or wins it, whatever, you always can look back at usually an away game during the year, even sometimes a home game where things click. And things just, the whole team plays well. Something changes. 
And it felt like that game at Tampa had that, had those vibes. Did you, do you feel the same way? Oh yeah. Especially you said it without Charlie McAvoy too. So it, that in itself was impressive, especially because you saw them struggle without McAvoy against Minnesota. And then for them to play a complete 60 minute effort against like the reigning Stanley Cup champions was, was a sight for sore eyes to say the least. Um, but yeah, it, it was a little stunning to me. The Bruins have played really well, like this new calendar year. Um, it's almost like Jekyll and Hyde. It's like what, like they just flip the switch or something. Um, it's almost as if playing more games in like, like all these games that they're playing it's every other night, that's, it's like helping them, um, oddly enough. So yeah, um, it was really, it was really, really impressive, especially without McAvoy in it. Like I said, full 60 minutes was right from the start. Like it, it felt like a playoff, like it was like their playoff game for, so to speak, like they were with it right from puck drop. So it, it was super impressive. And like I said earlier, great to see Pasternak start to get going. Um, looks like he gained some confidence that game. Um, I don't think he was getting the bounces before, but he seemed to be getting the bounces in Tampa. And so hopefully the floodgates just open for him. That would be great. Yeah, it feels like he's on the verge of scoring like a billion goals. Like yeah. just and then also I think the way that he's scoring, right? The the effort, right. the creating his own chances um is good. It's not just not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's not just like one timers on the power play right. uh, that are going in. He's doing it on his own. So that is a very good sign. Um and I think mean, Marshan turned it up. Like it's funny, I was watching yeah. uh, I was watch I was watching my work laptop uh for for NCAA is based in Atlanta. So the laptop is up here in Boston, but it is based in Atlanta, which is really fun because I can watch Bruins games on like my work monitor and stuff because it's not blacked out. They think something Atlanta, which so is stupid. The fact that they still exist in 2022 is nuts. It's crazy. I don't understand it at all. And the weirdest stuff gets blacked out for like Atlanta. Like if the, right. if the Bruins were like in New York or New Jersey, I can't watch the game, which is hilarious. Yeah, I'm but... in New York City, and if the Bruins are in Buffalo, it's like impossible to watch. That's incredible. See, that's so stupid. But, uh, anyways, I was watching the Tampa broadcast, which is, which was cool to see. It's not the coolest. I was actually broadcast. watching the Tampa broadcast as well on ESPN. Yes. So there we go. We're both watching it and they were, uh, really praising Brad Marchand mm-hmm. and, and he was another one who had an amazing game, uh, on Saturday night. So it just felt like things were working in their favor. They were playing well. And I think it just comes down to, and, and it's funny. I mean, I said the same things after that Western Canada trip, but at the same time, like COVID also was a huge factor after that. So it's hard to like take the Vegas game seriously and, and take some of the games after seriously feels like we can kind of say, okay, if they play well against Washington Monday night, if they did, uh, and they play well, they have a huge homestand coming up. I think it's like a seven game homestand. They can start to play well. They might see two this, giraffes now, home sandals also. Uh, maybe he didn't get to play in Providence this past weekend. So they might be at the big, big time level, but. Uh, if they can play well coming up now, it's a season changing type, uh, season changing type moment in the season, uh, for the Bruins. And I think another season changing moment has been the addition of Oscar Steen to their third line. Guys, he rules. He's so, he's awesome. It, it's nice to see a Bruins pos- prospect pan out. Like it's been a while, right? Since we've seen, you know, a true prospect, you know, come up and, and be effective. And so he's awesome. He's been great. Um, so that in itself is exciting. Um, I wanted to touch on Martian a little bit. It seems like ever since he came back from COVID, that COVID absence, he's just had like a bee under his bonnet. He's, he's been angry. He was chirping at Pat Maroon, which is funny. Um, 
And he kind of they the Bruins kind of go as far as he goes, right? Like Martian's playing well, it seems to elevate everybody else. Like everyone wants to be on his level. He's the hardest worker in practice. So I yeah, it's it's so funny to me, like the Jekyll and Hyde of this team, because back in October, November, you were just like, What is this team? Like, are we even gonna make the playoffs? Like, what's going on? So now you're starting to see those games in hand and them actually picking up points in those games in hand. We've talked about you know, there's a million games in hand that they have, but it doesn't matter unless you put the points up. And right now they're they're on a great little run here. So hopefully Washington's a great team. So I think that'll be a good measuring stick for them. I like how the Bruins came back against the Oilers. I think Washington is a quick strike team, kind of like them a little bit. They're a little heavier, but I'm, I'm interested to see how they respond. Um after a really solid 60-minute game in Tampa, and if they can bring it to Washington, and hopefully they'll get McAvoy back as well. Yeah, so those I think those are the big things. But you're right on Marshan. Like I think that's been the kind of the heartbeat for the Bruins the past bunch of years has been like however far Marshan goes, the Bruins go. Um, and you're seeing it, right? I mean, it, even with and Craig Smith adds such an interesting element to that line because obviously he doesn't bring the skill and the the snipes of Pasternak and all that stuff and the finesse. But the hard work and the, the second efforts lunch and pale. yeah, lunch pail, blue collar type, you know, keeping the puck in the zone uh, right. type player has been huge. So I think that adds another element to, to that line that I think is, is very good. So, but Oscar Steen is a fun one because five points in seven games this year, hard to sit here and say he's officially made it right. Like, oh, he's, he's good. No. They, they're out of the he's water with the same chance. Thing. He's deserved 100%. his chance, what I would say. He is more, yeah, more than deserved his chance. Uh, but he fits really well with Coyle because he brings that speed. He's got some skill. Um, he, you can just, I don't know if it's me, but just by the eye test, you can look at him and go, that's an NHLer. That's a guy who is going to produce. And it feels like that's the case with Steen. Um, I'm curious because we, we, we like Coyle with Steen. Who is your ideal fit on that left side? Is it now Felino's probably done for a while, but is it DeBrusque? Would it be Frederick? Interested to hear your thoughts on that. I think it's going to be DeBrusque for a little while until they unload him, right? Like it, it only makes sense. Um, I think Frederick works best in the middle. I think he, he has been putting up some goals lately, shockingly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know. And that he messed up Kulikov. Yeah. Oh my God. That was unbelievable. But um, that fourth line has actually been pretty unbelievable with Nosek before he was in, in COVID protocol. So I think you do go with DeBrusque until you find an alter, until you trade him. And then A, or then B, if Felino comes back. I don't know when Felino would come back. It'd be a miracle. Um, that's That looked to me like an ACL or a high ankle sprain. Like it did not look good. So no. yeah, I think DeBrusque, his speed would work well with them. Um but yeah, Steen and Coyle has, has a pair has looked really, really good. And that's like why I'm just like, we need a 2C because then just slide everyone down. It'd be great. So yeah, I, I think, um, I think you start with DeBrusque and then you kind of just fill in as you go and whenever you unload them. To me, I think it, you're 100% right on DeBrusque. I think right now the, the, the bottom six should be DeBrusque, Coyle, Steen, Bleed, Nosek, Lazar. I like Nosek in there a little more than Frederick, and I think he brings a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't hate if the Bruins could find a way to deal Frederick if it can help your trade value, right? Like if you can get a little bit more, it feels like you have a lot down there 
in the bottom six, a lot of candidates. Now, obviously, you need depth. Guys get injured. But I don't know. I just feel like you can use the whole Fredericks from first-round pick. He's not really getting his chance here. Maybe if he goes to said place, Arizona, or somewhere else, maybe he gets more of a look. He can develop a little bit more. I think we all kind of agree he probably shouldn't have been a first-round pick at the time. But unless he is. so Sweetie! Yeah, exactly. So I do think that uh, DeBrus, Coilstein, Bleed, Nozick, Lazar would be the perfect kind of bottom six. But again, when DeBrus goes, I think if they did get Krause or they did somehow, I don't know why Arizona would want DeBrus because it's the same situation as Krause and he makes more. But if you can, if Krause went in for DeBrus, that could also work too. Um, so I don't know. Their, their bottom six is not bad on paper. Like, the, like their lineup on up front is not bad on paper. It's actually pretty good. The problem is the the production hasn't been there. However, it feels like the production is starting to come. Right. Because and and do you, I, I'm interested. Do you think that over these I, I mentioned earlier, you know, these next bunch of games, these next two weeks could be huge. Do you think that if they if they crush these next two weeks, I don't know what that is, four five wins or so. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but if it's a bunch of wins, do you then say? I'm good with going com- like completely all in trade whomever, whether it be Lysel or future first round picks. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's the last time for them to do it. Like you don't know what's going to go on with Patrice Bergeron at the end of the year. You don't know if he's coming back, which is scary to say. <laughs> I hope he does. Um, and I think Neely said before, said in the summer that like this, they owe it to Marshan Bergeron to kind of do whatever they can to help. Um, you know, last kick at the can. I truly do feel like this is the last, last year you can kind of go all in. Um, but that it does worry me. Like I said, this Jekyll and Hyde with them, where if you do go all in and then your, your first round exit, you know, what assets do you really have to start to rebuild? Cause they don't have much. So that definitely worries me. I think Sweeney needs to be really smart, but I think if they are in a position, um, say they're at, they're nipping at, you know, Tampa's heels or whoever in the Atlantic's heels. Um, I think it's worth it to, to upgrade. And Sweeney likes to upgrade. That's not a rental, right? So like if you can upgrade and get a guy for a couple more years, that will help. Then I'm, I'm all for that. I don't really want to deal Lysel. I don't really want to deal, um, you know, whoever's left with our top prospects. So it's going to be tough for Sweeney because he's going to get outbid by a lot of teams. So It'll be interesting. I think it starts with DeBrusque and then you kind of figure it out. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think the, the, uh, tradable assets are DeBrusque, Stadnika, maybe yeah. a future first round pick if it's for someone like Tomas Hurdle. Um, but outside of that, yes, he's your, Hurdle, he's your top guy. Hurdle would look so good in black and gold. Him and Possible are just, they're just having so much fun together. Yeah, I mean that's a legit two C, and you're and most likely he's resigning for uh probably yeah. getting a next big time deal. So he's your your one C maybe of the future actually because after Bergeron, who? So um yeah, I don't know. I, this is an interesting stretch, maybe the most interesting stretch of the year upcoming. Yeah. I'm gonna say it. most interesting stretch of the year um, upcoming for the Boston Bruins. But anyways, Marina, thank you so much for joining. Uh, Marina, where what can people look forward to uh, over at uh, Barstool with you? Uh, you can follow my blogs, barstoolscores.com and search my name or Bruins or whatever. Or you can check me out on Twitter at Marina K. Mar. And then I always tweet out, you know, my blogs and, and whatnot on there. So thanks for having me on. 
Of course, Marina. We love having you on. But anyways, for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins be listeners. Have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 